There's a story. There's a very long story in the parasha about a shidduch. It was a little different then, I guess, than it is now. Eliezer went and he got a wife for Yitzchak. Now, obviously, since he went and went to such great effort and came back, it must have been something special. He must have found, as they say, a very special girl. What we're going to do is take a look at the end of that story. When Yitzchak meets his intended for the first time. Obviously a very emotional moment. Let's look first at uh, the Psukim quickly, then we'll see what, the, what Rashi, how Rashi tells the story, and then how the Ramban tells the story. So the Psukim say this, V'yitzchak ba mipo. For those of you who don't know Hebrew, well, you probably think that that's reasonable. For those of you who do know Hebrew, you understand that this is kind of funny. Because in Hebrew you say Yitzchak ba. And the word mivo doesn't quite fit in. It doesn't bother us so much because it's sort of the same root. So it's like, so, so he came, so he came. Right? He came, he went, he came. But if you have a little bit of a grammatical inclination, which most people lose in the third grade, um, then you know that this is a kind of funny structure which has to be addressed. Yitzchak ba. Be'er is a well. And the well was called Lachairo'i, which of course is uh, names in the Chumash are always interesting. And what they mean is even more interesting. We'll look into that a little bit later. Vuyoshev Eretz HaNegev. Eretz HaNegev, okay, we don't know exactly where that is, but the Chumash did. And we know approximately where that is, right? There's Negev in Eretz Israel, like more or less south of Be'er Sheva. And uh, so Eretz and Negev, wherever that is, we get the idea. We don't have to know exactly. So Yitzchak came and he was dwelling in Eretz and Negev. But Yitzchak Yitzchak Lasuach Basadeh, Lifnot Arek. So Yitzchak went out. Towards evening, lasuach. The word lasuach, of course, reminds us of the Hebrew word sicha, which means to speak or have a conversation. So this might mean that Yitzchak talked to himself a lot. Right? That he walked around and there was no one there. So he talked to himself. Or it might mean something else. But that's what the word means, surely. And then, uh, he picked up his eyes, that's regular Hebrew, he picked up his eyes, right, it means he looked away, over the horizon, right, he looked far, there's looking near, and there's looking far, right, without glasses, looking far, with glasses, looking near, that's so means, when he was talking to himself, he was kind of looking down, but then he looked up, and what did he see? What did he see? He said, he saw, You know, this is a likely event. Gmalim, camels, ba'im. This could happen anytime. But the Sarifkate now, the assumption is, of course, that Rivka's are one of the camels. But the now she also lifted her eyes and looked far. She saw Yitzchak, and then the next words are difficult for us, because if they mean what they seem to mean, then the story should be over, right? She called Hatsola to get Rivka out of wherever she fell, and whatever happened to her. But the story continues. So it says, Whatever that means. Whatever that means. I mean, we know that the word Nun Peirish, the verb Nun Peirish, means to fall. Fall... You know, all these common words, there are two kinds of words that you meet up in life, right? One of the words you don't understand, which are really simple, because all you do is look them up in a dictionary, and then you know what they mean. Then they are the words that you think you know what they mean. But you looked up a dictionary, and they have 40 other meanings, 
and then you don't know any longer what they mean. That's what Vatipol Me'alagamal is. We don't know, we know what it means, but we don't know what it means here. Exactly. It seems to us that falling off the camel might have been an odd thing to do, and who knows what might have happened. But Tomel Ha'evet, and then you have a continuation that makes no sense. We're just reading Psukim, right? In case you're wondering what we're doing, we're reading the Psukim, which, believe me, is not a bad thing to do. In fact, there's a Se'if in the Shofanach that said you should read the Psukim every week. Twice. Tamayim Mikro, so we're reading the Pesukim. So this Pesuk says, the next Pesuk says, Pesuk Samehei, V'tome la'eved, Mi ha'ish ha'lo'azeh, V'tome el-ha'eved, Mi ha'ish ha'lo'azeh, So it's already been pointed out, as you know, that she should have said this before she fell off the camel. Because our, our, we thought that she fell off the camel because she saw Yitzchak. It's unreasonable to think that she fell off the camel because she saw someone. I mean, you know, you always see someone. Why would you fall off the camel? So if she then says, She's asking him now, so how come she fell off the camel? Before, she didn't know what it was that she was about to meet up with. She didn't know who it was. So what is she falling off a camel for? And the Ebed, Eliezer, said, That's my master. That's the man. That's the man. And now she does a, a, a snoot-oriented act. She covers herself up with a um, veil, I guess, something, or like a shmate. You know, this has become very popular at weddings when the kalot decide that, that this is the moment of tzniyut, right? Not before, not after, but at that moment, under the chuppah, everybody's all covered up. Anyway, Samachmov, by Sapeha Evidly Yitzchak, Kolab Vimachar of course, Eliezer knew Yitzchak, so he tells him the story. By Yivieha, then you have this summary, now this summation, this great. Uh, Koda here in the story, and and Yitzchak did this remarkable thing. He took Rivka, who he had just met a moment before, and he heard the story of how, I guess you know all these miraculous things happened to to uh, Eliezer, and he took her into Sarah's tent. Right, Vaikaches Rivka, he married Rivka. Vatihilo liisha, Vatikach laisha. Right, we're just reading. He took her as his wife, which I guess is what we would call kiddushin, right? A kind of legal act. Vatihilo liisha. Another thing, not the same thing. You can marry somebody. A man can marry a woman, but she could also be his wife. A remarkable thing. A remarkable thing. Here where the Torah says that marriage can lead to love. That's really remarkable. I mean, modern people think that love leads to marriage. But the Torah seems to indicate that marriage might in fact lead to love. In, in other words, Love, you can, you know, to love the romance of it, that's easy enough. But to love the real of it, that's really a wonder. And in this case, what the person says apparently is, that Yitzchak fell in love with the real of it. He got married, and then, you know, they had to share the toothpaste, and, uh, you know, they didn't always have the same customs about neatness and cleanliness and order and things like that. And nevertheless, So now, like those of you who like are psychologists, you can think about like when a man marries a woman, is he marrying her, is he marrying his mother, is he like that kind of thing. But here it says, it says clearly in the Pasuk, and this is a position that psychologists might draw upon, that Yitzchak 
was comforted by Rivka about the death of his wife, of his mother, I'm sorry, about the death of his mother, so that the wife came to replace the mother. So this is the story. These are the psukim. We read them. We made certain comments. And now we want to see how Rashi tells the story and how, alternatively, the Ramban will tell us the story. So let's look... So let's look at the... Uh, <coughs> let's look at the Rashi. Oh, by the way, there's a picture here that was put in by uh, Rabbi Sachs, which is called Isaac and Rebecca. You know that, that Rembrandt... Rembrandt really drew pictures of two people in, uh, that he met someplace, but he called it Isaac and Rebecca because he wanted it to sell better. And apparently the people who bought the paintings couldn't imagine that Isaac and Rebecca probably didn't look exactly that way and they weren't dressed exactly so. But really, this picture has nothing to do with Isaac and Rebecca, but it's a great picture. The reproduction here is, is weak. <laughs> okay. Rashi says, you see, you see the Rashi. Mivo mavo shalach lavi hagar Abraham aviv sheyisa Now, this, to say the least, is a pretty remarkable statement that Rashi is making. The fact that it appears in the Medrash doesn't make it less remarkable. When we say, when I say that the Rashi, Rashi is reading the story with us. And what Rashi is saying, what Rashi wants us to understand is that even though the Pasuk, the Pasuk does not indicate that Yitzchak going from point A to point B was purposeful, in other words, if he's Yoshev Beretz HaNegev, and if he met Rivka in the place where he's Yoshev, why does the Torah have to tell us that the day before he was someplace else and he came back? I mean, on the principle that the Torah tells us things that are important, that are significant, and that are noteworthy, here you can see that Rashi has a dilemma. Why does the Torah, the Torah tell us that Yitzchak came back to where he was in order to meet up with Rivka? Had the Torah just said that Rivka came along to the place he's expected to be, and in fact he was there, I don't think anybody would ask questions like, what was saying? Where was he yesterday? So that Rashi says that obviously the Torah tells us this because it's important. It's important to know that Yisrael just came back. According to Rashi, what did Yisrael just come back from? He came back from, you see the Rashi? La vi hagar la Abraham aviv Now the Medrash says, at the beginning of the next chapter, which mentions Keturah, that Avram Avinu took another wife, whose name was Keturah. So the Menchik Redvish says, and Rashi also points out, that that was Hagar. In, in other words, if we were thinking about it, we were thinking about it, you see that the Medrash, that Chazal thought that there was some kind of injustice that was perpetrated by Avram Avinu. And that injustice was not against Yishmael, who we knew was an idolater and didn't deserve to live within the same home as Yitzchak Avinu, but there was some sort of injustice done against Hagar. And even though HaKadosh Bovla, because the interesting point here, that even though HaKadosh Bovla said to Moshe, to Avinu, what HaKadosh Bovla said to Avinu, do what she says which itself deserves a little explanation, not because HaKadosh Baruch said that she is the greater prophet, that's fine. But if HaKadosh Baruch is already, as they used to say, she's already talking to Avinu, so why should they tell him what to do? I mean, what's the difference? And they read postscript, and, and Sora is really a great prophetess. But HaKadosh Baruch didn't tell Avinu what to do, he told Avinu to do what she says, which might be seen as like standing back somehow. Like you have to do it, but there's something wrong here. 
You have to send away Hadar with Yishmael, but there's something wrong that is being done. And the wrong thing that is being done, the wrong thing that is being done is that Hadar has been sent away, but she didn't do anything wrong. She became his wife, she had a child, the child's name Yishmael, okay, he wasn't such a great kid. But she didn't do anything wrong per se. And so that when Atma Vidu married Keturah, it's what the, 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 the Zohar says, or what the Hasidus always says, there's a tikkun. Sometimes in the world things go awry, things are a little shaken up, and somebody has to fix them before we can go on. But that's only part of the story. The story that Rashi is telling us, the story that Rashi is telling us, which he says that Yitzchak was on his way from point A to point B, because something very important was happening, and that important thing was that Avram Avinu was going to remarry Agar. Rashi says one more thing. Rashi says, Who's this Shachim? In the second marriage of Avram Avinu to Agar, who's the Shachim? What Yitzchak. So what is it that Rashi wants us to focus on? I couldn't find this. I looked for it. I'm going to tell you now a Hasidic vote whose origin is unknown to me. But I can't imagine that I'm making it up. Right? But I'm going to tell it to you anyway. In, in, in other words, here's Yitzchak. What should be on Yitzchak's mind? Rivka's coming. Eliezer is coming. I mean, my intended, as they say. You know, this is like the whole world is able to continue now because everybody understood from Avram Avinu that family was the, the, the basis, the kernel of Klau Yisrael. That the Jewish people was a Jewish people because of family. That's what there was. And here, Yitzchak, even though he was willing he was willing to allow himself to be sacrificed that Akedat Yitzchak. Yitzchak is not joining, can't join with Avraham with this great enterprise of the Jewish people until this family involved. And here she's coming. The mother of his children is coming. So this is an exciting event for Yitzchak. And the way Rashi reads the story, the way Rashi reads the story, Rashi reads Chazav, right? We don't have to go into that all the time. The way Rashi reads the story is that Yitzhak understood that he couldn't marry Rivka as long as the process of marriage, of shiduchim, of relationship, was bent. It had to be fixed, according Yitzhak said. So who was the one who engendered the remarriage of Avraham to Agar according to, according to Rashi? That was Yitzchak. And Yitzchak, because Yitzchak knew at this moment, at this moment Rivka's about to appear, Yitzchak knew, Yitzchak knew, that his own marriage was at stake. Like Rashi doesn't you see the Rashi, I mean, you know what part I'm saying and what part Rashi said, but this is the way I understand it. That his own marriage was at stake, and therefore, the Torah says, the Torah says, Bamibo, Be'erachai Ro'i, that there's something so important about where Yitzhak Avinu was and the fact that he comes back to receive his bride. That's what the that's what Rashi that's what Rashi says. So in other words, you have a kind of a like 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 a great high here. I mean, here's Yitzchak, he's not just sitting there, Yitzchak up to now, you know, has been the most passive of people. That's also something to think about. Yitzchak's passivity is noble. Right? He, he's just there. He's just accepting of the divine command. And here he understands that there is something that has to be fixed, and only he can fix it. That's what Yitzchak says. So Rashi is leading us into a wondrous new story. A story where the marriage of Yitzchak is somehow dependent on the remarriage of Abraham to Hagar. Right? I use the word marriage. My intention is not to imply, yes, halachic, not halachic. I'm not talking about, I'm just using it in a colloquial, the word marriage in a colloquial way. Now, if we look at the Ramban, 
Turn the page. Turn the page. Let's do the Ramban. Write the Ramban. Now, first let's see what the Ramban says. You see the Ramban on the second page, the right hand column at the beginning. Yomar. Yomar means a kind of a translation. This is what it means. Yitzchak just came from Be'er Lachai Roli. Sheshav. Be'er Lachai Shabbat The Rabban is just explaining words. He's turning one set of words into another set of words more easily understood, more regular in his own language. Words for words. Right? There's no, no chidushim. Sheilu amar bo mi bo lachai roli. Bo mi be'er lachai roli. So then he goes on, he says, if the Torah hadn't written word, that word, mi bo, right, that difficult, but if the Torah had just written bo, mi be'er, mi be'er lachai roli, which seems like simple, obvious, straightforward Hebrew, he says, Sheilu amar bo mi bo lachai roli, so then we might make the mistake of thinking that Yitzchak lived in Be'er Lachai Ro'i and it was only on this day that he came to this new place. And therefore it was important for the Torah to say that not only did Yitzchak go from point A to point B but point B was his domicile. He lived at point B. That was where he should be. Right? Because he was in the Be'er. In Be'er Lachai Ro'i, only temporarily. So if, if Rashi was taking us to the, like the top of the mountain, here's the Ramban, and sort of says, no. Nothing going on here. There's nothing, nothing here. The only thing that the Torah wants to tell us is that he lived in Eretz HaNegev and he happened to be in Be'er Lachai Ro'i, but the Torah doesn't want us to make any mistake about that. Where did he live and where did he happen to be? That's what the Ramban, that's what the Ramban, first, the first part of the Ramban. Now he says, uh, If we skip, oh, okay. I, I don't want to go. The next part is very, uh, you know, is is a little more grammatical, which you know I don't want to pain you with overly much. But in other words, the way Rashi looks at it is, you have an information that is unnecessary, and it has to be explained. And the only way that Rashi can explain it is by saying that this trip that Yitzchak made from Be'er Lachai Ro'i to Eretz HaNegev was of great significance. Or the opposite, from Eretz HaNegev to Be'er Lachai Ro'i to do the Shidduch was of great significance. According to the Ramban, this is not the case. At least the specific measures that Rashi quotes does not have to be quoted. That's what the Ramban is really saying. And we have to understand that the purpose the Torah had was a minor. Its purpose was, the Torah's purpose was to tell us, the purpose was to tell us that he lived in Eretz HaNegev and didn't eat, live in Be'er Lachai Rui. Okay, let's go to the next person in Rashi. Let's go back to Rashi. Rashi says this. Kosev Samach Dalit, you are, you are, uh, um, now you remember we said Lashuach is related to Sicha. So what does Rashi say? Rashi says, right, So we know that Avram was the one who made Shachris, and Yitzchak made Mincha, and Yaakov made Arvit, or Man. And this drosha is actually quoted in the Medrash. The Medrash says, Sicho has to do, has to do with davening, Yitzchak going to daven. <coughs> I don't understand, you know, on television, Mr. Miller. 
no one ever snoozes. How do they do that? Look at Rashi says. Rashi says that the simple, straightforward meaning of this person, not the Midrashic meaning, not the secondary or tertiary meaning, but the real meaning of this Pasuk was that Tzfilah was created a new Tzfilah. It was it's as though, let's look at it from this Midrashic point of view. Yitzchak was born. Avraham is teaching Yitzchak, giving him the, like, giving the ropes. So what does Avraham say to Yitzchak? Shachris! Isn't that what happened? Isn't that what the father said to the subwriter? Today, today you don't say Shachris, you take your children to shul and you say quiet. Right? Because that's, because you want to be rabbinic. Since rabbis are always saying quiet. So you figure that if your child is a shul, you also say quiet. And then he'll think you're the rabbi. So, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not in favor of bringing children to shul until they know how to daven. But look, each to their own. Uh, again, Avram Avinu said to Yitzchak, he's like a little kid walking around, and he said, and Yitzchak says to his father, what, what should I do now? What mitzvah can I perform? So he says, so Avram, the father, says to his son, Shabbos! But he didn't say Mincha, right? Why didn't he say Mincha? Because it wasn't invented yet. It wasn't invented, it wasn't a need for having Mincha. Right? Like, like a new Tfilah. In fact, that's what Yitzchak, the legacy of Yitzchak is Mincha. Along comes Rashi, and Rashi says, you know what the moment in Jewish history was? When, Avram, when Yitzchak Avinu realized that Shachris wasn't enough and that he needed Mincha, here it is, Lifnot Erev. There was something happening with Lifnot Erev. I don't want to get into this idea like this, the sunny part of the day and the darker part of the day, and when things get a little shaky, in the world, you know, when you can't see exactly what's going on, even though the Rambam says, as you know, that the, the Torah that you learn at night is the best Torah possible, but you understand that the nighttime is problematic, right? It's always problematic to be in a place where you can't see what you're doing. So Yitzchak, whose life was going to be remade at this moment in time, who was coming back from the Shidduch with Hagar, of arranging the Shidduch with Hagar for his father, and coming to meet his bride, Lifnos Erev. So Yitzchak said, I see that in life we need another Shfila. And he started to David Mincha at that moment. So I think that the difference in Rashi Chazal is, that when you read Rashi, when you read Chazal, I'm sorry, when you read Chazal, you say, okay, there's a reference in the Pasuk, Remes. Remes is a word that covers a lot of different things. But it is a Pasuk indicates that Yitzchak David Mincha. When did he David Mincha? What question is that? He always David Mincha. No, no, no. When was the first time that he David Mincha? I don't know. According to Rashi, the first time that Yitzchak David Mincha, when he felt that he couldn't live without Mincha, that Shachris was not enough, was at this moment, at this moment when he was about to meet, when he was about to meet his intended Rivka. So that's what, that's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. Rashi puts it into the story. It's not just a medrash, or not just a remez, but it's the story. And this event, the marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka, has colossal implications according to Rashi. One is that you have to make tikkunim in the family. You have to understand that a shidduch, the shidduch itself, while we like to think of ourselves as always embarking on a new life, we're always trapped in the old one as well. And we have to make sure, as much as we possibly can, that the old life is also as good as it might be. And so Avram Avinu had this problem with Hogla. And Yitzhak came to make a tikkun. And then Yitzhak understood 
that there was a serious, a serious encounter that's going to take place between him and Rivka, and he had to invent Minha. And you know very well that life for the Jewish people was arrested. And Yitzhak and Rivka did not have children. And what did they do? Each of them. Each of them doubled. What philo do you think they doubled? Well, I think you can make a case for Mincha. You can make a case. But we won't make it now. But this is what Rashi says. All of this is Rashi. Now, if you look at the Ramban, I'll show you where to look. You see where the Apostle starts, Samach Talit? The Ramban says four lines from the bottom of the previous Ramban. Yatsalif not Erev. You see Yatsalif not Erev? Again. If you look up from Pasuk Samachtal, go back one, two, three, four, four lines. The last word on that line, last three words. Yatsalif not Erev. He goes out, Yitzchak goes out towards evening. Wow! What's the Imre of the Ohavav? What's Imre of the Ohavav? They're not in the Pasuk, right? But, but the Rabban says, what is he going to go? The Torah going to tell you, what's your talking to himself? He goes, we talk, everybody traveled with a retinue. Everybody had friends. Everybody had people who were with them. Right? That's how it worked in those days. No television, friends. Right? Interesting. Interesting thoughts. I mean, it's a mad, hard to even imagine. But that's what they did. So what does the Ramban do? The Ramban looks at Rashi. How do we know the Ramban looked at Rashi? Because he said he looked at Rashi. And besides, every time he doesn't like Rashi, he X's it out. But here the Ramban X's out the Rashi by implication. What does Rashi say? What does Rashi say? Oh, the is the most important thing that ever happened in Jewish history is going on. Yitzchak realized that chakras is not enough. And that this encounter that he's about to have with Rivka demands Mincha. Now, however you're going to explain that to yourself, right? However you're going to kind of develop that idea that you have to daven, and the daven has to have a format, the format has to have a morning to it and an afternoon to it, Right? All these things are things you will explain to yourselves. But that's what Raji says. That's where Raji leads us. Raji leads us to a kind of a cosmic event. Cosmic meaning it has an effect on the world. And that that cosmic event is happening connected to the meeting of Yitzchak and his intended Rivka. Whereas the Ramban, who we knew, we know more or less a little bit, we know that the Ramban was a Kabbalist, was always thinking about the higher spheres and what was really happening, how it was really going. He looks at Rashi, and Rashi says it's a cosmic event. And what does Ramban say? Not cosmic, not an event, not davening, but it's really just with the boys. You know, like, he's going to get married. So what do you do when you get married? You have the last... Fling with the boys. This is what Yitzchak's doing. He's like with the guys. Lasuach with Ohavav Re'av. Who are these guys? Just regular. Not people of great significance. The regular guys. The guys who, who, who took care of the camels. <laughs> you know, who, who polished the wipe, the polished the cleaned the car, gassed it up. You know, like those kind of guys. He's with them. He's with the guys. Asher Sham. The ones who just happened to be there. Umatsata Ebed Verifka. He's the ones that have a little party. He doesn't know when they're going to come. And here they, they just happen to come. Who happened to come? Eliezer and Rivka. They just happen to show up. So, Al Chukulam Yachdav El Iro. And Al Chukulam Yachdav El Iro. They all went together. Who's all? Yitzchak, his friends, his beloved, Eliezer, Rivka. They're all meeting out there, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And so they go together. They go home. Like nothing's happening. It's not exciting. 
It's not interesting. It's not cosmic. It's not world-shaking. It's not about shidduchim, and it's not about davening. It's nothing. So, so here you have the Ramban, who's reading, right, reading the Pasha with Rashi since he was a little kid, right? And we could assume that he was a good student and he knew the Rashi Baal So he says, what is this business in Rashi? And the Pasuk doesn't say that. All the Pasuk said was that Yitzchak was acting normally. He was a normal person. He knew that Eliezer was going to show up. So they had a little bachelor party. And then they showed up. So they all went together to wherever they're supposed to go. So that there's a downgrading. There's a downgrading of what is going on by the Ramban. Let's continue. Let's continue. The next person that we're interested in, uh, next person that we're interested in, here. She saw Yitzchak and she fell off of the camp. What does Rashi say? Rashi says, Is Rashi? Hadur is a Hebrew word that in this case means, I don't know what it means. But special, glowing, like like you suddenly see a king in full battle dress. You know, you see somebody wearing clothes that only he can have. Hadu, Hadar. That's what she saw. She didn't see a man who had features. He didn't just see a person, but she saw Hadar. Glory, something so special, and so tohemipanat, and so she, she just was astounded by it. Now I would not say that this is a romantic comment. It wasn't it wasn't Yitzchak that she saw. She saw special. She saw unique. She saw something worth noting. Tohemipanat. So Rashi says she fell down to the ground. And then he goes on to explain why he thinks that's true. Let's look at the Rambach. It is why, why the word Vatipo means that she actually fell down to the ground. Let's look at the Rash at the Rambach. Here the Ramban quotes Rashi. You know when Ramban quotes Rashi? It's bad news for Rashi. Right? It's not like today, you know. But when the Rabbi quotes Rashi, it's usually to disagree. Lashon Rashi, Rashi doesn't say not our Rashi, Nitbaisha. But that's how that's already an interpretation that she saw this great man, and she was she felt herself inferior. She had busha shame. Who am I? And who is he? And why, how could I marry him? I think, I think that's what, what the, the meaning of it is. I mean, one might argue, but that's what I think. Rabbi Avraham, that's the Ibn Ezra. The Ibn Ezra, the Ramban likes to set it up. Like a setup for the Ramban is that Rashi said this, the Ibn Ezra said that. So of course I can say something else. Right, that's, that's kind of a way of doing it. Because the Ramban, as I said, is in production, Introduction to his favors, the Ramban says, I have the highest regard, I have the highest regard for Rashi and Ibn Ezra. And everything that I write, I take note of what they say. Right? So if I mention them, or I don't mention them, I always take note of what they say. Rabbi Avram Pirishki Apasuka Haron Mukdam. Ah, we forgot all about this problem here, that according to the, to the Ramban, the order of things is wrong. Because in Posik Samachay, she says, Mia Isha So she, according to the Ibn Ezra, she should have said, Mia Isha and then fall off the camel. But according to the order, she fell off the camel, then she said, Mia Isha According to Rashi, is Nishkafela, right? Because she saw this glowing light. She saw this person. But he was really a glowing light, fell off the camel, and as she's falling down, right, almost 
to the ground, she asks Eliezer, who is this? And then he tells her. So he says, Kvar Batoma El Ha'evet, Kvar Amra La'evet. Rabim Batara Kain Aldato. So this is an old discussion that is not relevant to our matter tonight, but it's an old discussion that the Ramban has with other Mephoshim about whether you could be liberal about saying that the order of the Psukim and the Torah can be switched around or changed. Generally, the Ramban doesn't like that. And the Ibn Ezra doesn't mind so much. Well, the Ibn Ezra feels that the order of the Tzukim and the Torah is not of necessary significance. And if you have to switch them around in order to get a better shot, you could do that. The Rabban doesn't like that for his reasons. <coughs> okay? So now, if you go down to the paragraph, it's about six or seven lines to the bottom. He says, Ladati. You saw this man walking in the, in the road, and the, the road goes off to a side. So, so obviously she said, why else would he be turning down the road in our, my direction? And he, you know, He's, that, there's no other reason other than that we are supposed to meet. So obviously he's coming to say hello or to invite them into his house. So what did she do? She, she hid herself. She collapsed herself a little on the camel because that was considered to be the act, the proper act of Tzlibut. So again you see, again you see that the Ramban diminishes, diminishes the meaningfulness of the, of the activity that is happening here. And then he goes on and he says that uh, falling down didn't mean she fell off of the camel, but only meant that she again tried to hide herself and not be so noticeable sitting high and tall on the camel. So we see that the Ramban is consistently, is consistently downgrading the event, and the Rashi is consistently making it into something very, very special. Let's look at the last uh, Pasuk. The last pasuk is pasuk Samach Zayin. Okay, Rashi. You see the Rashi Samach Zayin? Is it your month? Cell phone is celebrating three million customers. They're getting fireworks all over the country. Really? Yeah. Actually, Don't they give out money? What, what, what do I need their fireworks for? I guess fireworks is cheaper. Give me a telephone. Something. What? He's taking Rashi's position. That everything's exciting. Now listen. Rashi. Rashi. Yitzchak brought Rivka into Sarah's tent. That's a pretty strong position, right? You know, he says to his wife, you are now taking the place of my mother. My mother is the mother of the Jewish people, right? It's because of her that we exist. And now it's going to be because of you that we exist. So what does Rashi say? Vayivya'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'a'
she calls Madna, how do you know that she is her? Or that she is Sora? How do you know that Rivka is Sora? So Rashi quotes the Medrash, which lists a whole bunch of things. Rashi lists three. Rashi says, that, that Sora would light the candle Friday, and it would be lit for the whole week. That's how powerful the candle lighting of Sora was. It doesn't say that it was a seven-day candle. That's not the idea. It was like a regular candle, but it just burnt for seven days. Bracha mitsuyava isa. Isa? What's an isa? The dough. Right? In other words, you made some dough, and then you just make bread forever. Bracha mitsuyava isa. Which is a nice thing, nice feature. Anan kashur al Anan kashur. There was always the uh, uh, cloud of God's presence. The shechina, we call that, was always on her tent. And the Ramban says in his introduction to Shemot. But when did Yitziat Mitzrayim end? Right, you know, they left Mitzrayim. And then they came to Harsinai. So they did, oh, they came to Yabsuf. They came to Harsinai. You know, like Dayenu? Remember Dayenu? It's an annual song. Happens around Pesach time. And it says, it goes through the steps of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Every step. And so the Ramban says, well, when did Yitziat Mitzrayim exactly end? And he offers two suggestions, but the second suggestion that he offers is when they came back to where they were. When they came back to where they were, well, where were they? Ah, in the time of Abraham, Yisrael, and Yaakov, there was a tent, the tent of Sarah Imena, which was surrounded by the cloud of the Shekhinah. And when they came back to Eretz Yisrael, and they built the Beit HaMikdash, and the Shekhinah was present in the Beit HaMikdash, that's the end of Yitziat Mitzrayim. That's the end of Yitziat because Yitziat Mitzrayim is not just, I left Mitzrayim, but it is that I got back to where I was going to, where I was supposed to be. So that according to Chazal, an idea picked up by the Ramban, according to Chazal, we started up where we ended up. Who started out? Who was the possessor of the Beit HaMikdash, so to speak? Who is the possessor of the Mokom, the place in which the Shekhinah dwell? This, even if, uh, you don't have to be a women's liberationist. It's right, it actually says this in Chazah, you know. You don't have to, it was Sarah. And Rivka had the job of being Sarah. It wasn't that she was, it wasn't only that she was worthy. It was absolutely necessary. This is what Yitzchak thought he was getting into. His marriage to Rivka was not a marriage in the sense that people get married, they have children, then everything is fine, you know, and dandy. But the marriage to Rivka, the marriage to Rivka was to continue to make it possible for history to end where it's supposed to end. And that's what Anan Tashur Al Ha'ola. And then the Medrash says, and Rashi indicates, Umishameta Pasku. When Sarah died, all these three things were finished. Kurtel, Ukshebat, Rivka, Chazu. And so Yitzchak, Yitzchak understands that his marriage to Rivka is not just a marriage of convenience. It's not just marrying a woman who is not tainted by the idolatry of the seven nations of Eretz Kenan. It's not just the choice of his father and Eliezer and all kinds of other good things he might say, but she is going to be able to restore Jewish history. Not only the future, but even the present. The present of Jewish history is, is somehow entirely lacking because there is no woman in that tent. And the tent, of course, represents, or the Ramban says, the tent, uh, in this case, the Anan, the tent uh, represents the Merkava. Merkava is a, Merkava means a chariot. And the chariot is a synonym in Kabbalistic lingo 
for the place of God. There's this idea that God, the Zohar says many times that even though God is everywhere, it's not uh, counterindicated to say that God is somewhere. Right? God is everywhere. But you can say, God, I feel that I can daven better at the Kota. Right? That, that, it makes sense. That's a sensible statement. Maybe not for a brisker, but anybody's not a brisker could say that. Right? So that's what, that's what, it, uh, that's what it says. Now let's look at the Ramban. And with this we will finish the Ramban. Pasuk Samach Zayin. Samach Zayin, second line. Tamakatu. Tamakatu, the second line. Pasuk Samach Zayin. Ki yisafer bekavod shunahag yitzchak be'imo. Ki mi'eit shemait asara lo natu o'ala. Ki amu lo tavo yishacheret. El oil agvira nechbebe. Kashera arifka hevia el ha oil ahulich voda v'sham lekacha. So here, I mean, listen to the, if you listen to the Ramban, the Ramban says, well, you know, what happened? Sarah had a, a tent in which she lived. When she died, in honor of Sarah, in order to maintain the honor, the tent shouldn't be turned into some kind of a warehouse or a garage. They took the tent down. When Rivka came, they pitched the tent again. Mechvoda. It was to give honor to Rivka. V'kashera Rivka eviyala oel ha'hu mechvoda v'sham l'kacha. And so when he saw Rivka, he pitched the tent. He brought her there, and he married her there at this uh, 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 this point. V'zet ha'am, and this is why it says in the pasuk. He loved her, and he was, uh, um, he was, he was comforted. Thank you. Yermos, shayav yisleir mod alimo, v'rachak mimenu menachem, ad shenichem b'ishto v'avato altav. So he felt badly, and then finally he felt better because he had a woman, a wife who could be like his mother. He says, after all, what possible reason could there be for the Torah to mention the love of a man for a woman? So that the love must be connected to this idea that the mother is now being replaced, etc. Again, you see the Ramban. Right? You see the Ramban that the Ramban is doing? He's downgrading it. He's making it very difficult for me to think that of this as being some extraordinary process. So he says, Ungulus Pirish, another, another uh, a source that, uh, of course, the Ramban loves very well. By Vieira Yitzchak Ha'ol, Vinehi Sara'ima. Right? This is Rashi. Rashi quotes the Ungulus and says, Klomar. That she became sorrow. Lachen is kira ava, kimitnait sit kata, the kishron maaseha ava, the nichamba. It wasn't that he was a man and she was a woman. It was rather that she was a woman who deserved a special kind of love because of sit kata, her righteousness. And Kishron Maaser, because of the, the, the ability that she had to do things right. And this is what is meant in Bereshit Rabbah. What is Rabbah saying? So what do you say? After Rashi is telling us what Chazal said, that Usara was a woman for whom bracha that she would make some dough, and she'd just make bread all the time out of the same dough. It was just remarkable. Along comes the Ramban, and he says, no. Bracha that's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for Tzidkata v'kishron ma'aseha That she, Sarah Imenim, was a special kind of a woman. 
And what about Rivka? She was also a special kind of a woman. In what way was she a special kind of a woman? In what way was she a special kind of a woman? She was righteous, and she did things that were of great significance. So we see that the Ramban is true to his own position. And that position is that this story, the story of Yitzchak meeting with Rivka, is told to us in the Torah in a most regular fashion. In a rose most regular fashion. Rashi is true to his position, which is that the story of Yitzchak meeting Rivka is most extraordinary. And of course the question that we may have is why the Ramban? Why was it that the Ramban was so certain that the story of Yitzchak and Rivka was regular, was a regular kind of story. It was about people who discover in each other something special, but not about people who are engaged in changing the world. And this, I think, has to do with the position of the Rambam which he enunciates in the beginning of the parasha of Lech Lecha, which is that Masa Avot Siman Banim, and that the Avot had these two sides to them. On the one hand, they were extraordinary, and they lived extraordinary lives within the shadow of HaKadosh Baruch and when you live within the shadow of Kodesh Baruch you imagine that things are going to happen and you're going to be doing things that are highly irregular and different. On the other hand, the others were the ones who determined how we should be, how we should act, what we should be searching for. And so when Avram Avinu performed the act of Bikur Cholim, or, 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 or searched for the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, he established a kind of feeling within Am Yisrael about Bikur Cholim. Right when Am Ravina gave Stalker, so he established with us the Maaseh Mikol, he established within us a feeling about Stalker, so that Hachnasat Archim and Bikur Cholim and Nitinat Stalker are not just things that you do, but in some way they determine the nature of the Jewish people throughout the generations. Everybody knows that the Jewish people are always are charitable, are helpful, are concerned. Like this is not, I don't mean every single Jew, but I mean the Jewish people. And as far as we can make that, uh, uh, make that kind of evaluation. The Rambam says, he quotes a Gemara in, in, in Yuma, that, that the Jewish people are Rahmonim, Baishonim, and Gomle Chasodim. Right? Merciful. Baishonim. Uh, Baishonim uh, means that they are easily embarrassed. Right? Uh, uh, and Gomle Chasodim means that they could do good things. He says, the Rambam, what does the Rambam have to put that in? He says, he says no, this is the nature of the Jews the nature of the Jewish people. And so the question about the meeting of Yitzchak and Rivka that was waged, that's dealt with by Rashi and the Ramban was a simple question. And that is, was this meeting a meeting that is one time in world history that could never be recovered or imitated or recurred was it something so unique and so special that we would only be able to see the derivatives of it? The me'ain of Yitzhak and Rivka. That's Rashi. Rashi. For Rashi, when Yitzhak went to do a shidduch, he had to do a tikkun for his father. He had to fix something in the world. He had to daven. He had to create tefillah. And he had to see his wife as taking his, the place, literally, of his mother, who was an extraordinary person. Or, is it rather, as the Ramban seems to understand, that within the story of the meeting of Yitzhak and Rivka, 
and this kind of feeling of love that they engender, and the connection that Yitzchak saw to his mother, and the fact that Rivka was able to produce the same kinds of results as Sora produced, is that something that is the message that we ought to emulate that in our own activities, in our own efforts, in the way we go around in life and make, uh, make Shidduchim. So I think that that is the argument, if you could say there's an argument, that according to Rashi, the Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka was the most extraordinary thing that ever happened. And therefore we can't easily find room to emulate it. But according to the Rambam, the Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka was something that can be emulated, something we could understand, something we could strike for, something we could hope for within ourselves. Have a good chance.